Thanks for tuning in to the Ecclesia podcast. We are a group of people committed to proclaiming the words and doing the works of Jesus and his kingdom. And these podcast episodes are conversations we're having in our community. You can join the conversation by engaging on all the typical social medias and by joining us Sunday mornings at 11. Thanks for listening. Last week, Melody had the joy of preaching through the bless and the woes section of scripture. So if you haven't heard that yet, I do encourage you to go listen to that. Not only is it good context for this morning, it's also just a really good message. So, and she is my wife and I do have to say that, but it still matters that I'm saying that. So you can, (laughs) you give me the points. Thank you. She's probably, she might be watching. I don't know. Um, But this week I'm actually picking up where she left off still in Luke six. But if you want to read along it's 27 through 38, those are the the verses that I'm going to be preaching through this morning. These next few verses, though, are ones that are oft quoted and rarely followed through on. Rarely do we as Christians actually act on them. I think partly because they seem so crazy, so countercultural that surely Jesus didn't mean that. For various reasons over the years, preachers have tried to tame these words, like we do so often with things that make us uncomfortable in Scripture. Preachers have tamed these words. But I encourage you to open your hearts this morning to hear them for what they are. And I can't fault people for trying to tame them. I wanted to tame them (laughs) this morning um, because they are really difficult. They are kind of crazy. Jesus sounds a little bit insane when he's saying these things. and, And I, too, wanted to tame these words this morning. But I pray that we hear these words and we start to understand them this morning. And if we understand them, that we actually start to act on these words. We actually start to do these things that Jesus is saying we should be doing. I don't know if your eyes got big because you just looked at the passage of Scripture or if you're just listening intently, but I appreciate it either way. Really, like I said, they they do seem crazy. Jesus seems like a little bit of a lunatic when he says stuff like this. And who really wants to follow a lunatic? Who wants to follow the madman? (laughs) A hand went up. I didn't expect that. Uh, Apparently, y'all do. Apparently, we do. Um, we've been preaching some hard stuff over the years, and we've leaned into that discomfort, and I'm really proud of us for doing that, and I don't want us to rest on our laurels, rest on the progress that we've maybe made in our own understanding, or just the expansion of our hearts. So let's continue to lean in this morning. You know, it, it seems like a, a, a bad strategy when the man that we're following, not only is he saying crazy things, he thinks that it's a good strategy to allow himself to be murdered by the state, Yet we are still leaning into that discomfort. We're still leaning into that mystery of what it means to follow the crucified and risen Savior. So I appreciate that you're leaning into that, and I appreciate that you want to hear that. And so with that said, let's go into the passage of Scripture. I say to you that here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the others also. And from him who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And of him who takes away your goods, do not ask them again. And as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. 
and your reward will be great, and you will be sons and daughters of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Let's pray. God, thank you for your words this morning. Thank you for your presence that is here among us. Thank you that we can trust your spirit moving through us. So God, once you open our ears this morning, once you deepen our hearts, and once you expand our imaginations this morning. Amen. So I've got really good news for those of you who like checklists this morning. That passage we just read is a really great checklist for Christians. And seriously, I, I struggled this week looking at this thinking, What's bad with just like writing down a list and doing all these things? And I don't think it is. So with all of your religious fervor, check these things off and go with the Lord. All right, let's go to brunch. Amen. Um, So that's true and somewhat humorous. And there's also more for us this morning. If only we listen. Jesus starts this section with, I say to you that here... And it wasn't late until the the sermon prep process where that phrase kind of jumped out at me, and I thought, that's weird. He's been talking already for a little bit. Why is he reiterating, I say to you that here? And then I realized that there was a but in front of that, but I say to you that here. And I thought, oh, there's some kind of causal link. And I was trying to just focus on my passage of Scripture, but he's saying, but I say to you that here. So there's some kind of link. And and I think it'd be good for us to go back and read the passage that Melody um, preached on last week, just so that we've got that context. Jesus drops that knowledge on them and says, but I say to you that are hearing, and then goes into this passage that we just read. So let me read back in verse 20, and we'll go through the blessed and the woes real quick. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you that hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you that weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you that are full now, for you shall hunger. Woe to you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when men speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. I think now it makes a little more sense why Jesus said, for those of you who are listening. I don't think that Jesus is saying, for those of you who can audibly hear, which I'm about 50-50 due to a head cold right now, so I'm hearing y'all really well and y'all not so much. But I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that after Jesus goes through that list of woes that some people were maybe walking away. Some people are maybe just checking out. Maybe they're leaning back in their, in their seat with their arms crossed, not actually listening. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think what he's saying to these folks is, for those of you who are still hearing me, for those of you who want to understand, for those of you who maybe heard the blessings and are in, and those of you who heard the woes and are leaning in a little bit more to that discomfort, hear me now. It says to those of you who are still listening, here's what we're going to do. 
these teachings of Jesus, I think they sound vaguely familiar, even if you didn't grow up in the church. Uh, you've probably heard them or heard something like it. We've heard teachings that are akin to these taught by our, our cultural religion or the world as we grew up hearing it. Love your neighbor. That sounds pretty good on its own. Give to those who can pay you back with interest. Do good to those who do good to you. If someone strikes you on your right cheek, you better be prepared to finish that fight. That's what I heard growing up. Don't judge people who agree to also not judge you. We've heard these things which sound really close to what Jesus is saying, but aren't what he's saying. And his hearers, the Jews at the time, had heard similar things. They'd heard things like what Jesus was saying, but not quite what Jesus was saying. Because in this passage, what Jesus is doing, he's emphasizing and he's intensifying the laws that his hearers would have already heard. It's like Jesus is telling them and telling us this morning that we've had a taste, we've had a mere taste of the goodness. Perhaps he's saying, you've known a taste of the kingdom of God, and now you have the full feast before you. Yet we hear those words and we scoff at Jesus and say, this is just bitter herbs. You're a crazy man spouting nonsense. Jesus is always pointing us to the kingdom of God. While he was with us, he described the kingdom in the form of parables, and he showed us what it looked like with his actions. And after the resurrection, in in the book of Acts, we see Jesus with the apostles for 40 days, and he does nothing but teach them about the kingdom of God. This is what it's like. Still today, when we read these words, and the Spirit of Christ breathes new life in them, Jesus is telling those of us who are still listening what it is like in God's kingdom. And he tells us that the miracle is that the kingdom is here, it's in our midst, and it's actually within us. If you're still listening, then let me tell you what new creation people do, what they look like, the way they live, what that looks like. We love our enemies. We pray for those who curse us. We do not retaliate violence for violence. We give to those in need, even if they're stealing from us, even if they're asking for more. It sounds like complete lunacy, doesn't it? So you might be saying, what are we we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be the doormats of the world? I hear that response a lot. Don't you know that bullies only respond to force? You got to punch a bully in the mouth? What if the good Christians hadn't have fought Hitler and the Nazis in World War II? Isn't it funny how quickly it escalates to Nazis these days? (laughs) But... I think if we bring it to what we're currently going through, um, bring it a little closer to home, what do we do about Ukraine, right? What does God think we should do about that? And so in light of what Jesus is saying here, let me offer you something to reflect on. Do we think that God sends troops and tanks to go meet a bully force with force? I don't think God does. That's the God of empire that does that. That's anti-Christ, anti from what we just read. I think for God that a, a preemptive strike looks like becoming a human baby. I think that a show of force is Christ dying on the cross. And these things look crazy. But I say to you that are still hearing that this is the way of Christ. What good is it to us if we only love those who love us back? If we just do good to those who do good to us? If we expect something in return from the people that we give to? Because everybody does that. And that's not a bad thing. 
That's not a bad thing. But those of us following the way of Christ, we're going beyond what the economy of our cultural religion demands from us. This scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. We're going beyond that. That's what Christ calls us to. We're working in a different economy, God's economy, and we're playing by different rules from what our cultural religion has. We're playing by the rules of the kingdom of God, and it just looks different. So if you're still listening, at the end of this passage, there is an apparent promise, an apparent gift or, um, I don't know, kind of leveling of the scales, it seems, at the end of this passage. It says, you can expect good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. So before we dive too much more into that, remember that Jesus, all along this, all along this way, is speaking of a different way of being, speaking of a different economy. He's pointing to that different way, a way which is not fully here, but it is here in a way that's within us, and it's a way that's working through us, and it will change the world and change us too. So based on this passage, we can expect a repayment of some kind, but it's not from the individuals that we're loving or we're helping. It's a repayment of God. So if we feel slighted, we don't take it up with the individuals, we take it up with God. And while I don't believe that Jesus is telling us to do these things because we're expecting a gift, that may be the first step along your journey, and that's okay. But I do think that there's something more for us there. So when we freely give to each other without expecting repayment, when we love our enemies, when we turn the other cheek, when we pray for those who curse us, we are bucking against that other system. We are bucking against the other economy. And when we do these things, we are actually embodying the kingdom of God, just like Jesus was. And we are becoming like Jesus in the process. To those of you who are hearing, I believe that this passage of Scripture is Jesus telling us what we as a people of new creation life people are to look like and what we're supposed to be doing and what it takes to become that way. It's a both-and situation here. It looks like these countercultural practices, these ludicrous ways of conducting ourselves. And it takes practices and practicing these things to become the new creation life people that we are desiring to become. So it's doing that new creation life way in order to become new creation life people. It's that way which transforms us into Christ-likeness. And now it is a lifelong, a slow and steady obedience to the seemingly insane practices of Jesus that causes that transformation. So this reward, if you're still listening, I believe it's not any kind of monetary reward. I don't think it's any maybe favor with our careers or anything like that. I don't think it's a lot of what we hear maybe spouted from pulpits these days. Perhaps the reward is actually the people that we become as we are being transformed into Christ-likeness. Perhaps the reward is our transformation into Christ-likeness and the change that happens around us in the world. I think that's the reward that Jesus is talking about. So we become like God, like Christ, being merciful as God is merciful, giving without expecting any return, indiscriminately giving grace and love to everybody who asks and who needs it. So again and again, we personally, we ask the Lord for forgiveness and grace, and God is gracious enough to never turn us down. So what would it be like if we all did the same, if we didn't kept, keep a record of wrong, if we gave that grace and that mercy and that love indiscriminately, just as God gives it to us when we ask? What would our lives look like? 
What would it look like if we practice that with our literal neighbors, the people who live around us, some of the most difficult people to live with sometimes? <laughs> what if we practice that with those who speak ill of us, those who curse us, those who stab us in the back? What if we still practice that radical mercy with those people too? Sure, these things still sound insane as I'm 15 minutes into this. It still sounds a little crazy, but maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point of Jesus' rhetoric here. Maybe this insanity that we're hearing is enough to wake us up out of our slumber and get us to take the first step along this narrow path that Jesus is calling us to. For those of you who still hear, when we do these things, it does feel like losing sometimes too. And it is losing when we look at the world's economy, when we look at this cultural religion that we have. It is losing in that lens. It's not losing in God's lens. It is losing when they're playing that game that's zero sum, that's us versus them, that's winner take everything. Yet in God's economy, in God's kingdom, that's not how it works. It takes people like us who hear these words of Jesus and who actually believe them and are crazy enough to do them to show others that we aren't playing by those dualistic, those violent rules that is the economy of the cultural religion that we have. Somehow, the way that looks like loss is actually the way of gain. And this way that looks like utter death is actually the way of true life. Somehow, in the mystery that is Christ. And we who follow this way, like we're trusting in the mystery that is the cross. We trust in this terrible instrument of capital punishment that has miraculously transformed into a symbol of hope and grace and love. We're trusting in that mystery. So my dear siblings, if you're still listening this morning, may you have all the trust and the faith to lean into this mystery to follow this way of Christ and these insane words of Jesus. And may we all experience that transformation into Christ-likeness that happens along the way. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ecclesia podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Join the conversation by engaging on all the typical social medias and by joining us Sunday mornings at 11. Peace and love to you all.